Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Silvati's podcast. I have Christian Silva joining me today, and we're going to be talking all about mindfulness and consciousness. I'm really excited to have him on board. Thank you so much for joining me today, Chris. Thanks for having me. It's lovely to see you again. Likewise. <laughs> Likewise. So obviously, we know each other when we were budding um, assistant psychologists up in Norwich. Yeah, and fun what times. A ride that's been since. Absolutely. Uh, it was it was it was just a, a great time of, of like uh, being able to meet so many different people. Of course, we were working with um, psychosis at the time. So it was yeah. like a lot of it was really intense and, and uh, you know, doing the, the, the assessments and, and, and uh, but the times in between were, were so much fun and we could still go at it in a really lighthearted way you know so it was uh, yeah it was just it was it was a lot of fun back then absolutely it was such a great um group of a service to work with so it was the early intervention mm. in psychosis service and you know the patients that we were using we were doing therapy with and and we were doing research specifically they were just such an interesting cohort and i learned so much from them being able to sit with someone who's who's really struggling that really influenced me you know sitting with someone who is um <clears throat> very much in in the mind and having all these problems um that was kind of the start of you know as a postgraduate that was the start of like wow you know like just by it, it's possible that just by conversation and guidance alone that you can change somebody's life you can literally flip them from from a from very difficult time and struggling into uh, a path of more liberation from the mind and, and getting more out of life. And, you know, and I always felt when we were doing those assessments and things, I always felt like, you know, wanting to spend more time with that person, you know, like I want to stay here for half the day and, 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 and really talk to them and, and, and find out what's going on. And, you know, obviously we weren't allowed to do that. Um, it's quite strict the way we were operating, but yeah. yeah, that was it. That was a cool time. And that was the first, for me, the first taster of like sitting with a human um, with the view, the overarching view of helping them. In terms of consciousness, then I'll admit, I'm not very aware of it. I'm not, I didn't do any research into it. You don't need to, man. You, that's what you are. Your consciousness. That's you. You know more. You know just as much about it as I do. Um, mm. On a on a on a on a deeper level, it's true. Um, the no, con yeah. The consciousness, consciousness, mindfulness is just one of the many uh, hundreds of ways for discovering the internal dimension, the internal quality of consciousness, which is which is already anyway there in everyone. So mindfulness is a way of pointing attention in order for ten attention to become awareness. So attention, we start with attention, that, that's the antecedent to your awareness. And when you are embodying uh, and identifying as the awareness, the attention kind of falls away. Uh, and, and that, the thing that you can look at thoughts, you can look at the body, you can look at you know, the, the tree, the house, the car, that thing that is aware of stuff generally, that's what you are. I didn't know that's what I was for so many years. Because you're the founder of My Mindful Guru. And I definitely mm. want to ask you about how that came about. Yeah, My Mindful Guru is probably only two, two years old now in terms of 
when the the website went live and I invited people to kind of get in touch. But um, it sort of goes back to when I left the NHS and and came back to Jersey and I I kind of um, set up in in a wellness centre over here. And I started teaching mindfulness. Mindfulness has always been an interest of mine. And uh, without the sort of time constraints and things of of being in uh, an organization like the NHS, um, I started finding my flow with it. I hadn't kind of had my awakening yet, but I, 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 I was at the experience, I was at the conceptual point of, of what it meant to be mindful on the brink of the experiential. So I hadn't had the boom, the epiphany moment, but I, I, was, I was fluent enough with the material to be able to teach it um, with enough efficacy to be able to help people. So that, that was kind of like, right, okay, I can kind of do this on my own. I don't need any supervision. I don't need someone who's deeper in the mind than me telling me how I should be implementing my, my sessions. You know, we're all just humans. We're all on the same, on the same level. Um, and certainly taking away any title of psychologist um, levels the playing field a bit. Um, and that, that really helped with the relationship you can build with the person that you're trying to help. So I, I, I worked at the, at the wellness center for a while and then, um, you know, couldn't make any money doing that. So had to get a real job. <laughs> so uh, working outside, but still, still realizing that there is something bigger that I'm supposed to do while I'm on this planet for this transient period. Um, so how am I going to do this? So I kept practicing, reading everything I could read, um, and I got really into the, the, um, the Indian yogi uh, understanding of, of consciousness and mind and body and the separation between consciousness and mind and body. So I started, I, I read so much about the, 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 the Buddhist, the Zen, everything from Eckhart Tolle, Alan Watts, Sadhguru. I, I was just throwing myself into this. Um, and uh, it was it was um, after a period that I spent using plant medicine and in deep meditation uh, in South America, there was a period of reintegration um, after coming out of the Amazon jungle that I had a a, a very profound kind of, (gasps) whoa. And then everything from that point just changed into absolute stillness, no resistance, I stopped being affected by um, events that happen in my life. You know, people say things like, uh, I'm moving house and it's really stressful. So now I kind of understand that it's not possible for moving house to be stressful. We already know that because we've got person number one is like, I'm really stressed, I'm moving house. And person number two is like, kind of not that stressed and I'm moving house. So I already know that it's possible for varying degrees of, of, of impact that things have on us. So the level of impact that things have on me now is, is zero because through inner engineering, I get to decide how I react to things. So I took that control back after this uh, period of, of deep meditation and deep understanding. So then I was like, right, I'm going to have to, people need to know that this is possible, right? People have to know about this. So then I said, right, I'm going to write the book. Um, I'm going to try and put it in as simple language as possible. So I'm, I'm still 
putting this book together um, and when it's ready, it will come out. But uh, I, so I, I, I come back and I, I, I go to a web developer, I set up the website. So I've got this contact form in a place where people can go and find out what, what it is that I do with my mindful guru and, and how I can help. And I just started teaching. So I just sort of opened the floodgates and I, and I put the website up, got, got some social media set up and, um, and I, I just, you know, I get on the clacks and like, come and come and talk to me. If you're struggling, come and talk to me. If you're struggling with anxiety, stress, depression, whatever these things are, there is a literal path to liberation from these psychological distress complaints. So, so this is where I am now. So, so a couple of years have gone by, uh, you know, where I, 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 I'm on the, I'm just walking the path of inviting as many people into my life who are suffering um, with the purpose of, look, I don't care if you've got money, if you haven't got money, if you're struggling, just get in contact. And um, there is a way, there is a way of coming away from the mind so that we can observe the mind in the same way that we observe the sunset and the breeze and things in the external world. You know, we can change our internal state. We can, we can do practices. There's things that we can do which will liberate us from, from suffering. So, so that's kind of where, where I'm still at now. I'm sort of walking this journey of uh, the doors are open and just, just send me a bloody email and, 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 I, and we, will, we will anyway talk about whatever it is, wherever, whatever stage you're at. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's, truly, it's truly been a wonderful thing to just speak to so many people, so many groups all over the world, Australia, New Zealand, even America, you know, uh, and just watching people just flourish and just open like a flower and, and drink life rather than being like this. It's more like, well, we can just let it come and flow through us and through, through our acceptance of, of whatever it is. So, yeah, it's, it's, been a, it, it's been a wonderful journey and it still is a, a wonderful journey with my mindful guru. That's amazing. And if nothing else, I will probably be moving soon. So I want to be that second person who doesn't get phased by moving. So if nothing else, I will yeah. email you when I'm moving, definitely. Let's do it, yeah. <laughs> but I, one thing that you said that was really interesting was that, you know, you take away this sort of this patient-practitioner dyadic relationship and it's mm. on an even playing field. Tell me more about that and how that operates within your practice and how that changes from a sort of allopathic medical type setting. Yeah, I, so I, I realized, you know, through that experience in the NHS and even in the wellness center to, to a lesser extent, because there was there was kind of a more formal, I wouldn't say dress code, but it was a, a kind of a, a very contemporary posh place. And, you know, you're kind of behind a desk and that's just weird for me. Um, and, and certainly the the way a Western culture is set up is in such a way that when you go and see your GP, there is a certain, for example, there is a certain level of sanctimony around he is the bringer of the knowledge and, and I am the lesser you know, person asking the questions and who doesn't understand. Um, and that just doesn't sit very well with me. Um, and I felt that you can be as open as you like, but if someone is coming to see you in a professional setting, um, there is always going to be a barrier there that it doesn't matter how many studies you do, 
um, unless you're just talking human to human, you can't break that down because it's a thought which is in the mind of the other person. And I don't have control over that. It, they have a thought about what I am, which gets in the way of them seeing what I really am, just a human, just a human exactly like them. Um, and, and, you know, Sadhguru always says, and he's right with this because this comes from consciousness. If we don't look up to anyone and we don't look down on anyone, then we will see people exactly as they are. It's the only way that we will see someone, you know, perfectly. The actuality of things, a veridical representation of the human sitting in front of us in this moment on this day. So, so through my mindful guru, there's no professionalism or there's no, you know, there's no reference to psychology uh, that, you know, there's, there's, there's no barriers. It's just, I'm a human who has been fortunate enough to have a realization that I would like, I would like to gift this knowledge to you because I used to suffer in the way that you suffer. So there's no desk, there's no ties, uh, pot of pens, you know, there's no, um, patient practitioner. It's just, I'm Christian, you're whatever your name is. We are one, we are the same, um, and we're having a chat, not an appointment, you know, you're not a patient, you know, and I wanted, I like to do away with these terms because they, they do create thoughts. And if the person sitting in front of me has a thought about what I am, they will anyway not really be able to hear the words that I'm saying, because they will go through the filter of the thought that they have of what I am. So I'm trying to lift that veil a bit more just keep it as even as possible you know um and and it's worked tremendously well um uh, just open nice pleasant conversation right and uh in, in, even you know working in the nhs there are serious practitioners who are they don't have that joyful pleasantness and i understand because the mind will do that to you if you believe you're a doctor if someone says what do you do and the person says Oh, I'm a doctor. No, you're not. You're a human. You, one of the things you do is the, is the work of a doctor. But the, a doctor has only existed for a very short period of time. It's not really a thing that exists. It's culturally sanctioned and linguistically reinforced, but it isn't real. So, so the, the type of I'm liberated from that in the sense that I'm just a bloke. The person that I'm speaking to is just the other human. And it's nice. And it's there's no um there's no i'm this thing and you're that thing we're just one it's so it's working well that's so interesting and so relevant because i know for myself i mean i've broken my foot multiple times now mm. and at least the first time i went in i was you know told this is what's going to happen and and as an osteopath i have some knowledge and i wasn't i didn't feel like i had the right to ask, well, why is this happening? What's the management plan? Why aren't we pursuing this? And it was very much, I'm a patient, shut up and just do what I'm told. And this is not a criticism of the doctor at all. It's my interpretation of it and the way I responded. Mm. And so, you know, the doctor was fantastic. The service was so good. I have to, mm. I have to you know, give them that credit. Mm. But the second time I went back, I was like, okay, put your osteopathic hat on. And I was mm. able to say all the things that I that I did in the first time around. And I got so much more out of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. completely changed it for me. Changes the dynamic, doesn't it? 
you know, Absolutely. when, and, and, uh, yeah, I've had experiences where I go to a, a, a GP. I don't visit GPs very often, but there, there is something about the way that has been set up. Humans are, are, have an idea of what it should be to go and see a GP. And it's pretty well the same wherever you go in a GP's office. Right. And, uh, I saw a GP recently and, you know, you're sitting in the waiting room and they come and they, they, they say your name and he didn't smile. Uh, so I, so I, you know, follow him into, into the room and, and uh, it's, it, there's no, there's no, it's very clinical. There's no pleasantness uh, and it doesn't feel very human to human. You know, there's, there's so much there to, to break down. And I can imagine that if you're really identified as the mind and you, you, there is a risk, there is a great risk that you will take this person's advice because they are the doctor. You will take this person's advice as an accurate reflection of reality, the 100% the right thing to do. Doctors have made terrible, terrible decisions. Very high, highly qualified doctors make awful decisions. And, and actually this, uh, th this doctor um, made a very terrible decision in, in the moment that I was sat with him. For example, and this is this is not what happened with me you know a young person will go in uh and they will quite quickly within a couple of minutes prescribe a steroid they won't tell you all of the side effects of steroids and how awful that is for the, for this beautiful human technology but they will prescribe it to a young person get on with your life here's a steroid this will mask it this is irresponsible this is not this is not about curing the underlying issue it's about masking things someone can feel depressed or anxious and they will go and sit with the, with a GP and within a couple of minutes, the prescription things out. Well, let's mask that. Let's mask that with some, with, with some exogenous chemicals. Did you anyway not know that you could endogenously change your internal state of being through very basic daily, simple practices, right? Which, which are thousands of years old, which predate any of this, this nonsense. Um, and it's extremely irresponsible that they do that because they're the, the person who is listening to them has a belief about uh, the, the, the identity of this person. They don't, see the, they don't see another human, they see an identity. The GP is an identity, an unquestionable truth. So it's very dangerous when we don't quite, what, what, what are the side effects of this medication? Are there any alternatives to this medication? You know, very quick, you've prescribed this. Like we know from working in the NHS, a psychiatrist, the only medical doctor working with a particular organ the brain who doesn't look at that organ before they before they take a, a course of action you know imagine you go and see an, an ear nose nose and throat specialist and they don't have a look down the tube the old tubes uh, 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 any any specialist a heart specialist they're going to have a look monitor the heart but the psychiatrist not interested in in, in knowing anything about the brain it as an organic structure here's here based on the things that you told me on this presentation, here's, here's, some, here's some very dangerous pharmaceutical products, chemicals, which will have innumerable side effects, um, which you, we will have to change the dose. You might have to be on it for the rest of your life. What we're not doing is, is as a culture, we're not being focused on being healthy all of the time. It's like, wait until something goes wrong because, culturally you look at the media you look at what's going on in the world things are going to go wrong people are going to get upset because we don't have these spiritual teachings anymore we've we've lost 
we've lost our thread as human beings. So now put a, put a plaster on it, you know, oh, depression, here's some pills, anxiety, here's some pills. Will it cure it? No, but it will mask it and then we'll keep changing it. Yeah. It's obviously a flaw. It, it, there's, there's some serious flaws in this model and, and we, need, we need to work, work towards it changing this absolutely and i know that i did some research on my dissertation on lower back pain and depression levels and how physical activity actually can have a really positive effect on Mm -hmm. and i found it was on people with high depressive symptoms so we know that there are alternatives it's in the nice guidelines why they're not just referring people to a gym or to an exercise class or prescribing and i do this all the time like just go for a walk go for a 20 minute walk yeah. Every single day, if you've got back pain, come to me and let me know what happens afterwards. But so my question then is, how can we use mindfulness? And I suppose my question precursing that is, what is mindfulness and how can we use mindfulness for that type of situation? So mindfulness, I, and I, I don't only work with mindfulness. I use the term mindfulness because it's kind of uh, colloquially accepted um, in the West, you know, you know, um, someone in the office will, will have heard of what mindfulness is. Um, they won't necessarily know what it is. It's, it's, a, it's one of many, 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 many methods, many hundreds of, of ancient methods, which can be used to disidentify from the thinking mind, which is the thing that causes a psychological distress, by realizing that we are not it. And we know we're not it because we can observe it. So mindfulness is a technology. Um, It's defined as um, paying attention in a particular way on purpose, non-judgmentally to the present moment. So it will get you far, mindfulness will get you far enough. So to give an example, we usually, with mindfulness, we usually start with the breath. So, and the breath is, I could talk for many hours about the, the, how profound and important the breath is for a, a spiritual awakening, for a consciousness awakening. Um, as we ch- purposefully choose to bring our attention, our attention being the thing that we use, if someone says, uh, calls your name or says, listen to that noise and you, you point your attention at it, they, say, they would say samadhi. Samadhi is one-pointedness, point, the point, pointing your awareness your not your awareness your attention awareness is different and we can come on to that so in in mindfulness we point our attention at the breath how the breathing feels and we start to they say we'd say observe it watch it as it's already happening the body's always breathing so our attention is on the, the physical sensations of, of breathing without really changing it or slowing it down um, so as we focus on the breath, we will, st- the longer we start to, 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 the longer we do that for, we will, we will elongate the gaps between thought number one and thought number two. So if we look at this period here is sustained attention on the physical feelings of, of the breath, the, the air coming in, the shoulders moving, the diaphragm, the abdomen, all that stuff is here. And then invariably another thought comes along. Humans have between 50 and 70,000 thoughts every single day. Um, and if you could see them all, you would 100% be, be implementing a spiritual practice like mindfulness every single day without fail. But we can't see them. They're an invisible um, issue that, 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 that humans need to overcome. So mindfulness is the process of being aware of the breath 
and paying attention on purpose, non-judgmentally, the non-judgmentally bit is when the thoughts invariably come along, because we are programmed to have thoughts and thoughts are not a problem, by the way, when they do come along, when we're to be non-judgmental just means to observe the thoughts in the same way that you would look at a stranger approaching you in the street and then walking by. So if you can, if you can allow yourself to observe the thought in that way, allow it to come along, because it will anyway, we, if we resist it, we, we cause a lot of problems for ourselves. So allow it to come along and just watch it and, and notice if we have any reaction to it. Notice if there's an emotional reaction or a behavioral reaction. It comes along and we observe it. Maybe it lingers for a while. The stranger's looking in a shop window. Maybe it comes back again, you know. So thoughts will do this as we're focusing on the breath. So the breath, the attention is on the breath. The attention will be taken away into thinking the, the, the difference between a human who is mindful and a human who is mindless is when the thought arrives, the mindful human can realize that it is just a thought and they will not necessarily indulge that thought because if we indulge every thought and by indulge it, I mean, believe it, validate it, allow it to keep our attention. Um, it will then have a, it can then have a profound negative effect on our internal well-being, which in turn can have an effect on our, how we conduct ourselves in, in the world and our behavior, you know, might lock ourselves away if we're, if we, we feel anxious because of, just because of one thought. So instead of giving energy to that thought, the mindful person who's observing the breath goes, oh, there's a thought. Here, here it is. I knew this was going to happen. And the very fact that I can observe it without believing it demonstrates that I am not the mind. The mind is where thoughts are happening. You know, you can have one thought, you can have many thoughts, images, self-talk, uh, all of this stuff happening in the mind. But if we realize we're not it by observing it, then thoughts lose their potency on, on us. They can't affect us in in a negative way anymore because we realize that most of them are silly fallacious erroneous they don't represent reality in, in any way it's just something that has been gift given to us by culture society education friends family so so mindfulness is one technique which which is predicated on the idea of attention focusing our attention um and being accepting and non-judgmental oh yeah there's thoughts here they are but that's cool because they're not me and so they then won't have an effect on me and and it's a process of realizing when oh, i'm back in the mind here i am again i'm identified with it i believe i am it and thoughts are hurting me to then actually these are thoughts and i can observe them in the same way that i can observe my breath by by paying by paying attention by paying attention to the breath and then with time, the attention becomes awareness, which, which, is, which we can get into, which is a whole other, I don't want to overcomplicate things. And just by, just by sitting with attention is enough. That's, that's the, um, the precursor to um, soft, open, beautiful, aware state of liberation is just paying attention to stuff in the same way that I, I can pay attention to the taste of this green tea is... Uh, is is the ticket is the is the starting point and 
How powerful is that? Because as somebody who is in therapy twice a week, being able to identify my thoughts as not being me or not giving my thoughts as much power and catastrophizing and, you know, giving into those core beliefs. That's huge. Huge. Yeah. It, it's really, it's really, um, when, when that power emerges, it really is the reason why we're here. You see the depth you see the depth that consciousness has. You know, people talk about meditation, but there's no such thing as meditation. To be meditative is our real state of being. Everything else is just added by our experience. The mind is an accumulation of thoughts, which was given to us by the culture that we live in. You know, a great example is if you talk to someone in the UK about, um, oh, I'm go going for lunch and I'm gonna go and have a dog sandwich. <gasps> Oh, that's awful. They will anyway eat a cow. That this is a culturally sanctioned belief rather than an, an actual understanding of reality. Morally speaking, there's no difference between a cow and a dog, right? The same person would jump to defend a cow that was being attacked as a dog, right? This is wrong. You can't hurt this thing. The, the difference is culture will sanction a set of beliefs and gift it to you. And then if you identify with it in the old walnut, you will then operate through belief and not see reality. So it's, it's clearly a logical fallacy to defend a cow, uh, defend a dog over a cow in terms of what's fair game for eating. Everyone can, can see that, that's a that it's just a cultural belief. I believe that this animal is, is, is okay to eat, but this animal isn't. There's this bizarre inclusion, exclusion criteria. And then you say, well, what's it based on? Well, we've always done this. Well, you know, and then you see, okay, it's a cultural belief. So you, can, you transcend cultural belief so that you get to actually conduct yourself it, through what you see and experience rather than what you're told is the way to conduct yourself. So there's an inner moral barometer moral compass that we all have which is masked by thoughts beliefs assumptions identities all this stuff and it is our job as as custodians of the planet to peel them away and find our internal consciousness so that we can be kind blissed out pleasant and it's easy it's available for everyone and when you have it you're like wow here we go Every day is beautiful. We're mortal beings. I will anyway die one day. So why, why can't I enjoy washing the dishes? Why can't I can enjoy everything? I can enjoy the journey from A to B. I'm not trying to get to B when I'm at A or on the journey. I just enjoy the journey. Oh, I'm here. Wonderful. So there is a, there is a huge form of happiness and pleasantness and kindness that emerges by liberating yourself from beliefs and assumptions and all this stuff that our, our culture very very kindly uh, gave to us um, through our years on the planet. Yeah. So in that sense, it's profound. So one thing you mentioned then, I don't want to paraphrase you wrongly because I'm still trying to learn about it. You mentioned meditation isn't, I mean, yeah. Can you just expand about that? Because mm. it's to, to be meditative is, is not uh, a practice, is not a thing that you do. It's not a, you can't do meditation. It is, it is, being that which you really are 
there's no practice of it. You just flick back into, into being all of a sudden. Um, so if I, if I sit here, you know, in Zazen, they, they, they do the, op the open awareness meditation where they might even keep the eyes open and they will just sit and they call it calm abiding. And they will just sit and whatever is present in each moment, whatever the experience is, the experience is, is accepted and observed. So if there's sound, the sound just plays with the eardrums. It's not labeled. The, when we're in this state of awareness, this is what we, we, we really are. So, so when, we're, when we're in a sitting practice, we're not meditating. We're just being what, what, what our true inner state is and always was. But humans have the, the mental faculty, the logical faculty, and it tends to outweigh this beautiful, calm, pleasant awareness. We know it does because the world has war, violence, conflict. All of these things are totally unnecessary. But the, the mind is added to humans as we live through life. And the school system is a lot to blame. Um, cult culture is extremely toxic in this sense. Um, because it, it adds all of the, these erroneous thinking patterns and competition. I remember at school, it's all about competition, competition. I'm like, but I like these people and I don't want, I'm not trying to win against them. Like, like there's just a, uh, there's an inner intelligence that we all have and we don't need the media or the government to tell us what to do. We don't need law or any of these things. We already know what you know, I know what the right thing in each moment, what the right thing to do in each moment is. Um, it can be anything, but we know how to react when we are aware and awake and present in each moment. But if I'm not meditative, if I'm not aware, if I'm not alert to the world, what I see, what I hear, if, if I have pre-existing beliefs about things, then I'm not operating I'm not reacting to what's actually there. I'm reacting to what I've learned up here, you know, if I, by, by, by believing stuff. So it's just returning to the natural consciousness that is, that is already within us. Yeah, and that's so pertinent because I remember when I was studying for my osteopathic degree, there was never a sense of, I mean, yes, there was a sense of competition, but at least for me and, and my group friends, there was never a sense of, if I get a better grade, that devalues yours. And so it was about helping each other and about allowing everyone to rise together mm. and not bringing another person down to make you feel better. Mm -hmm. And so this is what I'm hearing and what I'm relating it to, especially in an academic setting. And I can't imagine how much more freer school would have been if that was a more profound thing that we were taught yeah why why do we not talk about how important it is to be pleasant with each other there's it's it's reinforced in school isn't it and you know i was um largely um through through not necessarily agreeing with the system largely ostracized in school uh because you know i would see a teacher um shouting uh, a student and it's like you do realize that you have one of the most if not the most important job 
on the planet, sculpting the future of the planet, the future humans of the planet. And you're going to teach them that if they don't understand the concept that you're teaching after multiple times of you explaining, that you shout at them. And I remember even like as a child recording my French teacher on my phone. He shouted at me for not understanding a French term that he told me previously. And he, why do you not know this? Well, it doesn't really matter why I don't know it, does it? We're all, we should, you see, he was extremely unpleasant. He hadn't, he, he fundamentally didn't understand what life was about. G immersing ourselves fully in, in each moment and, and, and being kind and supportive with each other. This is the true state of, 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 of humanity. This is what he, everything else is made up. Everything else is, is, is thoughts about the world. So in school, it, what is reinforced, especially in sports and, and, and academia is you're competing. It's you against everybody else. You know, it's you against the world. It's you against the universe type situation. And it's like you against the world. Who's going to win in that? I tell you, who's going to win every time. You're going to feel battered down. Okay. You can't, you, competing is a very egoic uh mind led and of course the teachers in the schools back then were still operating through mind the level of consciousness on the planet has since changed exponentially there is a there is a conscious awakening going on because we're all we, the consciousness that we all share is is when we when we meditate when we have the spiritual practice it changes it levels up all the time this is why um contrary to what the mainstream media um, is pushing out all the time there's less war there's less violence you know humans are starting to to become kinder and more more pleasant which is the natural sense but you're you're so right in terms of the the competition what are we what are we really competing for we're creating competition out of the ether in school um for for, for the purpose of what for making people com competitive and sending them into into the workplace and then it's competition and Machiavellian behavior in order to get that promotion, you know, and being subversive and gossipy and, and, and doing these things. This is a very, no wonder people are so tired all the time. Overthinking will make you so tired. No overthinking. Present company included. Right, and right. Yeah, no, I, I, I can understand sometimes. Yeah. yeah. And, and as a tutor myself now, that's all I would want from somebody that I was teaching or lecturing is I'm going to give you this information, the best ability that I can now go understand it, making your own and go teach someone else. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing makes me happier when they get it and they can go and do it themselves. It's, it's, that is, that is, it's a, it's a magical thing, isn't it? To be able to impart knowledge that can help someone and that that is the reason why i'm doing the my mindful guru thing and, and writing the, the book and you know we're we're all here for each other um but the we, we we live in a in an environment uh which is still teaching uh children to to compete and not necessarily be kind i don't think kindness kindness ever came up when i was at school i don't think it was ever it should have been on the report card. The first thing on the report card is, is this child pleasant and kind? Because that is going to dictate the quality of your entire life. 
everything else is is superfluous. If you are pleasant, kind, and 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 blissed out, wow, it doesn't matter what you do, because yeah. you are changing the conscious vibration of the planet for the better. These are the humans that we need, kind ones, not ones who are, I'm going to be this lawyer. And this is what was pushed on me at school. You know, I got in, accepted into Queen Mary to do law, which I never did because I, I was even at that point, my consciousness was like, how am I going to, this is to feather my own nest. I don't want money. I want inclusion and, and kindness and just enough. And desire these these things that, that, that this desire has been given to me I, I'm, I'm this is not my thought this is a thought of someone else so and the planet is going that way you see with you know things like the the plant-based movement people are like blooming hell this factory farming gosh that's unkind maybe we should not be so unkind to conscious beautiful sentient beings and other people are going yeah actually yeah it's really unkind that that to, to torture animals so then you've got the vegan section in waitrose now you know and, yeah. and it's like okay so pe some people are saying actually no i don't want animals to be tortured abused raped and harmed on my behalf thank you very much these are all uh uh landmarks on the on the upwards trajectory of of of, of uh, the 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 blossoming of, of the global consciousness yeah, and even when you talk about kindness, I'm thinking, how do I foster that within myself? How do I foster an environment around me that's going to facilitate that? Because I know doing the job that I do, it's not, and we were talking just before about how, you know, the job that you do isn't, doesn't define you. It's something that you happen to do. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm an osteopath, I'm a tutor, I'm all these different things, but at my core value, I'm that person and I'm using your words. I can't take credit for that. <laughs> um, but I, I just wonder, like, how do we create or foster this environment that facilitates that? Because I know when I'm, you know, and I work in the NHS, so it's busy, there's a lot of demand placed on you. And I can imagine other people in other institutions might have that same pressure. I know when I'm tired, sleep deprived, hungry, <laughs> You know, mm. I don't become less kind, but I become less patient with myself. I become mm. less, I want to say less empathetic. It's not necessarily the case, but I become more critical of myself. Mm. And if I'm doing that to myself, what am I transferring to the people coming to me for help? Mm -hmm. mm. And so how do we, how would you, how do we foster that for ourselves if someone's listening to this? Mm. So... It's, it's like this, it starts in each moment of the day from when we wake up. We, we need to now make a choice as a human that I'm going to spend more of my day conscious relative to unconscious. So by unconscious, I don't mean knocked out. I mean, the, the attention is in thinking and not in the, the, the whatever you're doing. So you can be conscious and direct thought as well, but this is something different. But if for the purpose of every day affecting the quality of the day, each day we have, we have a certain number of daylight hours to affect the quality of the day. So when we get up in the morning, instead of reaching for the phone, we, we feel grateful. We wake up. I'm alive and breathing. Wow. What are the odds in 2020 right now, 2021 right now, I'm, 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 I'm breathing, I'm awake, and I'm going to make a decision 
to be consciously aware in each moment. And through embodying our conscious awareness, being aware of the breath, being aware of what's, what's going on, kindness comes out automatically. We can't, kindness is not, kindness and compassion is not something we can try to be. It's not something that we have to try to be. It's our natural innate state of being. Everything else is added by the mind, the ego. When we go back, just go back to the breath. I always say this to people during the day, when you're in conversation, you're talking to someone, be aware of your breath at the same time as you are aware of their words and mindfully point your attention at them, at what they're saying. Okay. And be aware of the gaps between your breath, even when you're not breathing and you will become so conscious and consciousness is kind, loving, benevolent. But you know what else I say to people when, it, when we were talking about the, 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 the daily job um, and, and going in and is this happening? Is that happening? It's chaotic. You haven't got to be loving. It's not like you hear in the, in the spiritual realms, you always hear love and light, love and light. Sometimes there, you can't feel love in, in that moment, but you know, you can always feel pleasant. You can always feel pleasant. And if you I regularly have to go into an office um, where not everybody is particularly pleasant. Some people are very, very identified with the mind. This is why I don't necessarily talk about the, about this element of my life much, because I use it as an example. It's very useful. When I go into an office and I'm dealing with people who are upset, stressed, uh, a little disturbed they have dis-ease inside them they feel at a dis-ease so they maybe won't say good morning or you know they won't look up from the desk that's a choice you can choose to feel like that so if everybody around us is in this way sick or unwell if everybody around us is perturbed disturbed or not being particularly pleasant does it really make sense for us also not to be pleasant. It's completely illogical. If everybody around me is sick, well, I'll be sick as well. You're a product of your environment. It doesn't make any sense to do that. When I get to control, I get to decide how I feel internally. If, if I only decide to be pleasant when someone else is being pleasant to me, then my, pleasant, my feeling of pleasantness is down to chance, isn't it? It's just, a, it's just chance. I don't want my, my, my feeling of contentment to be a roll of the dice. Oh, it's going to depend what I encounter today, how I feel. No, we're not affected by things. We're affected by our perception of things. So if someone in, 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 my, in, in some of the work that I do, I will regularly have someone shouting at me really aggressively, perhaps in my face, being trying to evoke a reaction from me crying and being abusive this happens a lot um but my understanding that the way they are feeling is only a representation of how they the way they are behaving is only a representation of how they feel internally what they are saying what they are doing their level of pleasantness in this moment is only a reflection of their internal state. It has nothing to do with me. So I've walked in the room feeling pleasant. This person is being unpleasant. I am gonna anyway be very pleasant to this person 
as pleasant as I am to this person over here who's been very kind and, and warm-hearted towards me. There's no difference in how I conduct myself. This person doesn't get to control how I feel, how I conduct myself in each moment. So I will anyway be kind to this person. Yeah, I understand. And I feel compassion for aggression directed towards me because I used to feel that way. I know what that feels like. I know what it feels to feel angry. But you can go 365 days without feeling angry. You just realize that the external world can't change how you feel. Like John Kabat-Zinn says, um, you know, lots of, lots of difficult things are going to happen to us in life. Lots of challenging things. You can't stop the waves, but you can learn how to surf. You can't stop difficult or challenging things from, from, from coming at you, coming towards you. But they don't have to, the wave doesn't have to smash you. You can just surf it. By accepting, I accept this person as they are in this moment. They only know apology. Because why are they saying these things? Because they have beliefs, they have assumptions. They believe that, I'm a, that, that I am the business that I work for. They believe this, 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 thoughts, 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 thoughts. They are operating through their thoughts, believing their thoughts, identified with the mind. Whereas I have been fortunate enough to be able to transcend the mind in this lifetime so far. So I don't let my pleasantness be changed or perturbed in any way by the people and situations and challenges that I encounter. I can float around very, very pleasant and very joyful and blissed out. Why would I change that? For who? What, for this person? No, I just offer them compassion and kindness. You know, being, being stressed or upset, that's only hurting me, you know, or being angry back at this person is, is holding on to the hot coal with the intention of throwing it. This is what the Buddha would say. Holding on to hot coal with the intention of throwing it at someone else, but they don't get burned. That's what anger is. How is this useful? So in moments where there's unpleasantness, I, I see this, but I realize that I have a choice and they don't have to change how I feel. If everyone else is being, particularly with this COVID situation at the moment, there is a greater amount of, of unpleasant, uh, nervous, fearful uh, tension and vibration, but it's out, it's out here. It's in, it's there, it's their situation. It isn't mine. And, and, and I can either, if they're vibrating down here, I can either come down or I can help them come up. I have that, that, that choice. I've got that choice in each, in each conversation, in each interaction with the shopkeeper. You know, I was in B&Q recently and, and uh, one of the people working there seemed very upset. Head was down. Okay. No, never good to have the head down. Never good to not have the spine straight. You know, you must know this. <laughs> So, so I, I have an open conversation. I'm smiling. I have an opportunity to affect the quality of this person's day. So this is not just a heads down transaction. This is there's a consciousness. There's a consciousness. Wow. What were the odds that we met in this moment? Let's, let's bring each other up together. And it's, it's a choice. You can either do that or you can continue to believe your thoughts and you can continue to go, this person's been done a been unkind to me. So I'm now going to be unkind back. Well, fighting fire with fire will create an inferno. <laughs> Absolutely. And so for anyone then listening to this, who is the information that you know, you're sharing really resonates with, where do they go? Where do they start? 
So, well, it, it really, there is no, there is no need to, to, to read. I mean, I, I talked earlier about, you know, I've always thrown myself into, into the literature, into reading the spiritual texts. And the, you could, you can have a spiritual awakening and wake up the con back into the consciousness without reading a damn thing. You can just by sitting, if you were interested to, to talk to me, uh, on, on the, on the video chat, um, or you want to set up a group for your business. I do, do talk to groups and, um, and individuals, couples from all over the world. Um, you can go to mymindfulguru.com, um, and, and use the online form and it will just ping me an email. And then we, we can, we can set something up, but also if, if, if the type of, of conversation that, that, that you and I have had here today, if it, if it awakens something in someone listening, I would say start by sitting just for no reason, just sitting in perfect silence for part, part of your day and start by with your eyes closed or open, just realizing what happens, observe what happens within you when you are perfectly silent, no TV, no radio, no Facebook, none of these things. See what happens just sitting in silence. You might find that the, the internal chatter, the monkey chatter starts happening. That internal dialogue starts happening. Oh, we, should, we need to do this. Oh, we shouldn't have done that. Or he said, she said, so. oh, what I should be doing is this. And it's going to try and make you not sit in the present, in the now, the only thing that's real. It's going to probably want to engage you in memory or imagination, past or future. Memory or imagination is the only thing humans suffer. <laughs> so it's going to want to do that. It's going to want to pull you into that. So I would say sit and watch it and just watch what the mind does and start the practice of not indulging it. Start the practice of getting the mind from here, I'm in it and the thoughts hurt me, to kind of here as a, as a, as a physical three-dimensional example. Oh, right, there's those, there are thoughts. Yeah, that guy on the podcast said that might happen and, uh, and here they are. And I don't have to believe them. I don't have to believe everything I think. Um, and I can start to have an understanding of where these thoughts have come from and the effect they might be having on me and whether I want to indulge them, whether I want to use the conscious energy that I have, because we are an energy, we are a vibration, and, and, and feed that into thoughts, because then you will get this conglomerate of these little thoughts will turn into this, this cloud, which once it's got energy, it's going gonna, it's gonna to lurk around. So... You can start by focusing on the breath and creating a distance between the mind and the awareness, the body and the awareness. You can even say, I'm not the body, I'm not the mind. I'm not the body, I'm not the mind. That can be a mantra every day. I'm not the body, I'm not the mind. The body is an accumulation, the mind is an accumulation, but the awareness is a constancy which has been present throughout our whole life it was the same conscious presence which was there when we were a child that body doesn't exist anymore those cells have all changed and, and been renewed into these cells so the body is an accumulation i eat food it turns into this you eat food it turns into that so the body is this accumulation and the mind is an accumulation of the thoughts that have been fired into it so we know we're not those things so it's just a case of discovering well then what am i so when we ask ourselves the question 
who am I or what am I? It, the purpose is not to answer the question. The purpose is sort of to dissolve the questioner. <laughs> you know? It's like, oh, right. Well, I'm none of the things that I think I am. I'm the thing that observes the things that I think I am. Ah, and that's the moment. And it takes days, weeks, months of, you've got to do it every day. If, if everyone who has a small spiritual practice will not suffer the stress, anxiety, and all these things, anyone who has that small spiritual practice every single day, no belief, no dogma, none of this, it's not religious in any way. A small spiritual, daily spiritual practice, yoga, whatever it might be, will elicit the distance between the awareness and the mind and it's that it's the, the this disparity between these things which is the liberation from 99.9 percent .9 of all suffering conflict interpersonal issues gone and we can together raise the 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 global consciousness and we'll start to see an end to the the bickering the fighting all of this stuff all of a sudden it's bad we this is gonna this is gonna decline rapidly as this is this conscious ascension happens so yeah hopefully hopefully anyone listening that that is helpful and you can start without guidance it's always useful to have guidance because it's like if you want to get directions uh to from here to here it would be useful to ask somebody who has made the journey from here to here so if you find someone who has made that journey, authentically made that journey, uh, then it's always useful to have guidance along the way. But it's reading guidance, not always necessary. If you sit and find your practice, find your breath, find your awareness, then you'll have found who you really are. And, and that's all there is to this, this walk of life. Yeah. And get curious. Ask the questions. Mm -hmm. And that's what I find myself sitting in. This is why I wanted to talk to you in, in a very weird way. This is almost like a selfish endeavor for me. You know, I want to talk to people that I'm just really interested in and interested mm. in what they have to say or their practice or what their, their, their practice is. And so for me, just listening to this has just been, it's been affirming to some of the practice I already have, but also mm. it's nudged me in a direction. I'm like, oh, I hadn't considered that mm. or this is what I want to be doing or this is where I want to be going mm -hmm. but I don't know how to get there so let's listen to something let's read something that's going to help me along that rather than give in to the environment that we sometimes create for ourselves which derails mm. us yeah absolutely and that's such a that's such a valid point um you know the, the generally people around me uh you know apart from my wife uh are not meditating um and uh and they will they will often say they will say this to me oh you know what have you been doing what did you do during the the lockdown and oh yeah i'm i'm uh getting my exercise my yoga my meditation and, and they'll say to me oh yeah I'm, I'm exercising you know i'm not meditating and and no no judgment on my part but i can I could, I could say to that person, oh, I know, I know you're not meditating because when that, when that, when the computer freezes, you bang your mouse and you get frustrated. You tell me how stressed you are about all these things. I know you're not meditating. I know you don't have a spiritual practice because you are, I can see, I can see the mind. I can see the mind all the time. I can see the thoughts. I can see the way you are conducting yourself. So the only important thing we can do 
once once we've ignited that like wow this is exciting what could this what could this awareness this consciousness this conscious state be like once we have that desire that as a seeker the only one thing we have to do we don't need to read a single book we don't need to listen to anything else we only have to just keep walking in the same direction every single day just keep walking in one direction so maybe your practice is observing the breath maybe your practice is listening to particular frequencies and being absorbed in those frequencies those sounds maybe your practice is hatha yoga kundalini yoga whatever whatever it is that you do as long as you just anyway do it every day every single day without fail just just do it if you're walking in the same direction, you will get there. You will get there. It's only when you just stop walking or you deviate that you won't get there. If I want to get from here to here, all I've got to do is keep walking. I don't have to think about here. There's no destination. I don't have to think about it. All I've got to do is every day get up and sit for my hour and, or, or 10 minutes. 10 minutes will radically change your level of consciousness and you won't get as battered by things that that are happening to you anymore by by sprinkling the, the the suffering on top you know it's like um a friend of mine um spent a lot of time in plum village you know Thich Nhat Hans plum village in france and uh he was in the monastery for a year and he he said he said to me with the spiritual practice it's like it's like digging a well and it's it's easy to to if you're digging this well it's easy to oh maybe i should have dug started dug, digging the well over here or maybe dig and you'll never they never get to water but they've got lots of, of deep holes so with the spiritual practice you find one thing that works for you and just stick with it and just stick with it. it doesn't matter how much thinking goes on how many emotions come up accept 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 it's all fine because it's all the experience and if you keep walking that walk there is a liberation there waiting for you. And it's, it's such a profound um, experience to gift yourself. The younger you can do it, the better, because wow, boy, let me tell you, life's going to be easier. <laughs> Moving house, no sweat, you know, uh, and, and really difficult things might happen, like challenging things might happen to you. You know, I have colleagues who, what are we going to do about this? Well, we're, we're going to, we're going to work with it, but, um, sprinkling suffering on top of a difficult situation is certainly uh, uh, not the not the path. So, um, and this is the the spiritual practice is the only um, method of achieving that. You know, a psychological uh, technique will only take you so far. It won't take you to that. It won't let you jump. You know, we talked earlier about um, before the podcast about cognitive behavioral therapy. Uh, we've both to greater or lesser extent researched that and had lessons and been taught and we implemented it ourselves with people learning to have cognitive doubt which is the whole premise of cbt isn't it to have cognitive doubt that's what we're doing that's what you're doing to create doubt in that person in their erroneous thoughts that only gets you so far it doesn't it doesn't teach you the the inner quality the inner dimension of what you are it 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 just gives you the conceptual understanding that you are not your thoughts and not believe everything I think. But the next step is a dissociation between conscious awareness and mind. That's the, that's the spiritual step. 
you know, going from conceptual to experiential. When you experience it, wow. Then you see that there is a deficit in, in the psychological therapy because it is created by the mind and taught by the mind. So it's only within the parameters of the thinking mind. But you're not the thinking mind. You're the awareness behind the thinking mind. You're the awareness behind emotion, behind thought, behind sensation, behind everything. So be the awareness behind it. And then there's no need. There's no therapy. There's no nothing. There's just presence. And it's, um, and it's this teaching which gets me so through experience, which gets me so excited when people, wow, wow, wow. You know, this is, this is something, this is, a, this is deep. This is, I'm not suffering. Yeah, this is it. And this is what motivates me to, to keep having these conversations and infusing people, you know, like, do your yoga, man. <laughs> yeah, Let's wake up together. Yeah, and like you just said, just do your daily practice, whatever that is, but be consistent. Mm -hmm. And I know from, from my experience, that's where I lack that. I, I lack that consistency sometimes, especially when times are tough or I get more stressed, you mm. know. And and this having this conversation just remind me about just keep on that path. And that's exactly such a powerful, powerful and amazing thing to hear and be reminded. Mm. And I will be yeah. listening to this podcast when I'm driving my car or when I'm walking <laughs> around just to keep reminding myself of that. Absolutely. I mean, if, if, um, if we don't keep up that practice, if we don't do it uh, or rather be it, what, what will happen is something difficult will come up and we'll feel awful. You know, it's like building, like it even says in the Bible about building the foundations. There's that thing about building the foundations on sand. You know, living through the mind. Oh well, I'm okay, and I'm okay right now. You know, yeah, I get a bit stressed about things, but it's it's not really terribly affecting my life. And then something really challenging happens, and oh, whoa! And then they're really affected. Keeping the foundations on sand, the mind living in the mind, living through thought, is the foundations of sand. Something really stressful happens. This is why. Um, a, a challenge like a bereavement or, a, or you know losing the job or these things are such a gift to humans because they are usually the thing which sparks the awareness to come out because the mind living through the mind we cannot deal with things we become you know there's PTSD there's you know thoughts will destroy our life if we live in 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 memory of of, an, of something that's happened or we live in you know anxiety which is just imagination um if if we continue to live like that oh because it's okay it's okay nothing's really that bad you know i'll have a glass of wine on a friday uh I've, there's a holiday coming up you know all of this all of this thing the, these things that oh we've got coping mechanisms let me tell you when something really traumatic happens and we've all experienced great great trauma certainly by the time you get to our age it's unavoidable um that will be the catalyst and the epicenter for your awakening wow I've, i can't i'm sick of suffering now i'm sick of adding thoughts and be, becoming stressed w what's the answer the answer is your 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 true innate inner aware self your your conscious awareness and even if that's a difficult term to be able to understand now um in time it won't be just through the daily practice when you're really aware of that breath you're aware of that breath and then you'll you say i am when we say i am that's one of the tantric methods technologies of awakening 
when we say I am, it's like we don't finish that sentence. It's like I am awareness. I am, I am, I am. If you repeat I am for three months, just repeat all the time throughout the day, I am, I am. That will bring you back into the awareness. That will bring you conscious again. You're walking down the aisle in the supermarket, I am. Instead of just reaching for stuff and thinking about what you're going to have for dinner, you know, or that conversation earlier in the day, reaching for this, don't, don't anyway read what's in it. Just, this is unconscious. It's how the body gets sick. People picking things off the shelves, put it in the trolley. What's in it? Conscious, but by conscious, we, we, our consciousness is interested in the health of this body. The, the, you know, everything that we do is conscious. The food that we eat, the things that we drink, the things that we listen to. All, all of these have become conscious decisions, which, which will, will go a long way towards making you feel better, live better, act better and do better. So you've probably heard the, I forget who said it, but lots of people have said this, you know, they say, um, um, do the best you can until you know better. And then when you know better, do better. All we can do is the best we can with what we know. But as soon as we know, but for me, it was like um, learning about factory farming. I was a part of the problem. And then, oh, okay, well, I'm not going to, now I know better. I'm going to do better. I'm not going to engage with that. I'm not going to try and tear it down. I'm going to ignore it. I'm not going to give it any energy, give it any money, give it any success. You know, not even going to criticize it. I'm just going to not engage with it. Give evil nothing to oppose and it will disappear on its own. This is not me. This is Lao Tzu. From the Tao Te Ching, give evil nothing to oppose and it will disappear on its own. And it's a very powerful, no resistance and all suffering falls away in, in this way. It's a, it's a very powerful way to con conduct ourselves. Returning the power to the inner energy um, is, is just so, so liberating. This is why I'm ch such a champion of this thing, this consciousness thing. However you get there. And it shows the passion is there and, and I, I feel it just, I know we're not even in the same room and I can feel that vibration and it excites me. It makes me want to learn more. I suppose where if people are sort of setting up on this journey and they want to find out more, they want to, where can they find you? How can they get in touch? Go mymindfulguru.com and fill out the contact form. Um, you can email me at mymindfulguru at mail.com. I think I'm getting that right. Or Facebook, look up My Mindful Guru. I, I am on Facebook. I do post content from time to time, videos and uh, when I'm feeling inspired. Um, and Instagram, I admit I don't run the Instagram myself, although I, I, I verbalize the content. I don't, uh, I'm not huge on social media. Uh, I, it, it is a, it, for me, it's a, a distraction, but the, the Facebook is useful because um, I am able to reach a lot of people that way. Uh, so by all means, find me on Facebook. And if you do message on Facebook, I will see it. It will be brought to my attention. So do get in touch. Um, and I'll link all this information down below so people can find you. Um, I just want to thank you so much for your time. This has been such a pleasure. And knowing we've known each other for years now, you know, right when we were back in Norwich, like we said mm. earlier, and just seeing this development, seeing your practice and being inspired by it is something that excites me. So thank you. Oh, Sylvan, thank you. It's nice to see your face, brother. And it's just great to talk to you. Great to see you're smiling. You're smiling. Definitely. This is, this is huge. We've got to keep smiling with everything that is happening on the planet. We just got to keep smiling. 
stay pleasant, stay kind, stay compassionate, because that's what you are. So thank you, Sylvan. I really appreciate your time and for having me on the podcast and thinking of me. And uh, I'd love to come on again in the future. Um, Absolutely. I'm going to hold you to that because I feel like we could do a whole day of this and (laughs) not stop because it's just so inspiring and so exciting. So we'll definitely have to arrange another session. Absolutely. Yeah, I look forward to it. Thank you. Thanks, brother. I'll see you soon.